Hey everyone, I just wanted to say thanks so much for listening and remind you that our Patreon is up and running. We have tiers starting at $5 all the way up to $75. You can find it at patreon.com slash timbellpod. Now please enjoy an hour and a half of wrestling puns. It's WrestleMania. Wrestle. I'm sorry. It's, it's Bruno Sammartino yeah, yeah, and the WrestleMania. Come on, come on, come on. It's WrestleMania. <laughs> WrestleMania. Biggest spectacle in the sports entertainment today. It's WrestleMania. WrestleMania. That's all I know from the WrestleMania. Oh, you song. forgot the last part. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, uh, it's WrestleMania <laughs> 1, WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 3. Oh, I wasn't there for that one. It's just the one, just the two. Ha, 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 ha. Shit. Give me a two smart before we start. It's a thing of Vincener and two smart. <laughs> Hold on, I, 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 I haven't been able to say it yet. Two smart. No, no, no. That was fun. It's a toots. It's toots. You toots. Go up. You toots. Go. toots. He it's says it so smooth. Toots yeah. month. I say toot like fart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bruno says it when it's not funny. It's class. Yeah. You, you're like based in comedy, so you're like, I gotta make this as funny as possible. Toots <laughs> month. <laughs> All right. Holy shit. Welcome to Tim Bell Pod again for Bruno San Martino Part Two. Dos. I am Nick Alexander. I am joined here in the Manning Cave. Yeah. By, I guess I'll all cheer. By, I'm joined by Micah Loving. Go to Vizard and watch Bodied. Oh, wait. It That's, was 10 months ago. <laughs> and I am also joined by Jake Manning. Mm-hmm. The one and the only, the Bruno San Martino impersonator extraordinaire, <laughs> Jake Manning. And we are here for Bruno San Martino Part 2. Uh, if you couldn't tell by the song, we are um, <laughs> we are entering the WrestleMania era. And it was something Bruno San Martino was actually part of. You don't think about it. You think of Hulk slamming Andre. You think of Piper Mr. and Hulk. I pity the fool. Yeah, yeah, Mr. T. Bruno was there in the house that Bruno San Martino built, Madison Square Garden. Anything up front? Just hop into it? Just hop into it. Let's just go do it, man. Let's do it, man. So March 31st, 1985, WrestleMania 1. Bruno San Martino would be in his son David's corner for his match, which, of course, Bruno had to be part of WrestleMania. It was in Madison Square Garden. His son was wrestling. How could you leave him out? Well, you say that, but, like, Bruno... Famously, when talking to Sal Corrente, whose name's probably going to come up a lot in this episode, Sal Corrente was Bruno's agent, handled a lot of his his bookings and appearances in his later years. Bruno was completely content with just staying home and would have just stayed home for <laughs> WrestleMania. Like, it reminds me of me. D- d- this, yeah, Bruno, much like most people in their 30s, like his ideal life would have been like, you know what, I just want to go home and spend time with my wife or watch some TV or just relax. I'm perfectly content with it. That's like Bruno's 
whole thing. He's like, I already did this. I already want this. But the whole reason he's here at WrestleMania is to give his son David's career a chance. And that's one of those things that when David got his wrestling career going and then they asked Bruno to be a part of his son's career, he knew he kind of had to do it because if he said no, he would worry that they would hold it against David and he also was worried that it wouldn't work out quite as well if he wasn't there. Like people would be always asking, like, where's your dad? Where's your dad? So he's like, all right, I'm here. Fine, I'm in your fine. corner. <laughs> so it was almost like, you know, Bruno was like the dad at the, the soccer game. Just like, I'm here, man. You know, except Bruno probably didn't have like kayfabe whiskey in his water bottle or anything like that. But like Bruno was there being a supportive father, being there to help out. And he was just there to be in his son's corner. But as we'll find out here in the next few minutes, obviously anything involved with any Vince McMahon senior or junior if you ask Bruno to give an inch, they will then ask for him to give a mile. Yeah. So Bruno would be in the corner of his son, David San Martino, as he wrestled Brutus, uh, yeah. Brutus the Barber Beefcake. I, th- I think something the Wrestle Authority has that gimmick. Should, should, shouldn't we say fucking Greg? We should go the other direction. Like, fucking Greg the Hammer Valentine. <laughs> no, no, no. We say Brutus the Barber Beefcake, you guys. Uh, I yeah. can't. I can't get Say it happy. I can't get say, any Put him over like a champ. Put him over like you cut your hair really well. <laughs> David, not a bad looking kid, right? Obviously knew the fundamentals. With his dad probably training him in shape. Had the genetics there. They'd have a match that ended when David was tossed out of the ring and gets attacked by Brutus's manager, Johnny Valiant. Bruno beelines to Johnny. They scuffle, get in the ring. All hell breaks loose between all four guys. Once order is restored, both teams are DQ'd. Bruno would return to wrestling soon after, tagging up with his son David, facing teams like Brutus and Johnny V, Heenan and Orndorff, Cowboy Bob and Piper, which would eventually lead to a feud between Bruno and Piper. But before we get there, what ever happened to David San Martino? Well, it's Mm. kind of a sadder story, to be really quite honest. Actually, David and Bruno had a kind of a schism. I think not too long after this, that or definitely even in the later years, I I know David did a shoot interview and talked about how his children didn't have a relationship with their grandfather, mm-hmm. and it was just very much a schism. And then when you know David San Martino's name comes up, like George always tells me a story because David San Martino came through the Mid Atlantic Territory, and George always vividly remembered. Uh, David coming through the locker room and being very polite, very very much like his father. Uh, my name is David, showing respect, yeah. very nice, polite. And then after like two weeks on the road, he was like, what's up, yeah, or How's it going on? Goddamn, motherfucker. Like he just like assimilated to that part of professional wrestling. <laughs> That's what you do. You, you, he's like, I don't know how to make friends. I got to be nice to people. Then you make friends. Then you become good with those friends. And you're like, hey, dick face, what's yeah, going yeah. on? Like just hey, com- you've been dumb lately? Because you're always dumb. Just a complete flip there. Yeah. But also too, like a lot of promoters, because, you know, 
Ivan Koloff was wrestling a lot in independence even at that time. So like a big thing that you would see pop up at random promotions, David San Martino taking out Ivan Koloff. Oh, wow. And it was always like a cool thing. Like yeah. I've seen like a couple matches like that. And Ivan's such a great worker. I knew what this was all about. And, you know, David just got to do a couple strong man things. And Ivan's bumping around for him. And like they would do that that whole thing like a lot. I, I, it's not totally the same, but was it a, uh, who's Ricky Steamboat's son? Richie. 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 Richie I was like, didn't Rich, I like, I swear I've seen like, I saw Reed Flair and Richie Steamboat around here back in the day. When people I was, wanted, yeah, I saw people, people wanted, but to, like them versus them for the old feud. Time. They, like they wanted to do that a lot, but they all agreed that if they're going to do that, they're going to do that for big money. Right. And, uh, that, never, uh, and that never got done. I guess I, I think I saw teases of it when they were every like, outlaw promoter on the fucking planet <laughs> tried to book that by only paying both men $20 a piece. Yeah, like yeah, they, they tried to cheat that but they're like no if we're gonna do this we're gonna do this for big money right so is he out of the business all the way oh yeah, yeah. david is completely out all the way like when did when did he oh he out? didn't like i don't think he lasted too much longer after oh, okay. this i i think maybe 80 i don't know if he got he was even wrestling in the 90s Damn. there was a bit of a schism between him and his father i think when they worked for the herb abrams uwf era like you know, it's a it's a tough thing being the son of, of a legend, a living legend, yeah. a legit living legend. And Bruno was asked to do commentary for UWF, and of course he's doing commentary on his son's matches. But at the same time, too, he's being a father and he's recognizing mistakes that his son's making, <laughs> yeah. and so he's calling it out on commentary <laughs> because he's being a professional. You know, like oh, he yeah, should have yeah. he should have this. I'm laughing because I'm I'm dying inside, not because it's funny. Because he's like oh, he's like oh, he should be doing this and he should be that. And then Dave would listen back to the tape, I'm like yeah. why are you why are you yeah. running me down on commentary, Dad? And that was like a big part oh, of the schism happened. And then there was there was other things, and neither man could just get over it. And you know, Bruno's got a lot of pride, and he kind of was like I'm son, like I'm trying to teach I, you. I'm trying to teach you, and 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 son, like you know, I've trying to do this for you and and both men never seeing and that's always the problem with these these issues with fathers and sons they just can't put their pride aside and bruno had a considerable amount of pride Mm -hmm. and it was just i don't i don't know if they ever in the end like i don't know in the end if they ever came to some sort of impasse i mean like as we'll find out like you know there's definitely a moment for if you're gonna let all that go to let it all go but from all the times that I, I knew Bruno uh, up until his death, him and his son, David, were not on good terms. I, I noticed that in a lot of the documentaries, the other the twins would be on them, and then David was never on them. Yeah. Uh, so and I, he did all, and David did a whole shoot interview and just ran down his father. That's, that sucks. Probably for, I would say, 40% of it. Jesus Christ. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, it was... The, it ran deep between those I was gonna two. Say, and then you know Bruno eventually watched that and it just made it worse yeah and I'm sure people told Bruno yeah, about yeah. it and oh it, yeah he probably I don't did. know if he sat down and watched it but, the, right. but that would have been he more, heard but that would have been better at least you could hear it from David's mouth but when somebody's relaying it to you it sounds even worse totally yeah. and, and you know Bruno's always been a guy that talked directly to people's face yep and and obviously like I said he's he's here right now tagging with David solely to get David's career going and you know Bruno just wants to be home with his wife, but he knows he's got to be there because you know Vince asked him, and he knows if he doesn't be there for David, it's going to be even rougher on David, and he doesn't want that. So I feel like there's a little bit of that going into 
some of this whole schism is like, you know, son, I sacrificed my time with your mother during my golden years to, to help your career along. And why, why can't you see that I, I am more supportive to you than you'll ever know? Yeah. And, and like I said, just it's the pride. Yep. Pride's a motherfucker. So. On to the Piper feud. It would start on an episode of Piper's Pit, where Bruno eventually comes down to the ring, and Roddy Piper calls Bruno San Martino a WAP. Good which old racial slur. I don't know if I'm Italian enough to be able to say that, but I can tell you Piper is definitely not Italian enough to be able to say that. I, I even had the thought, I was like, can we say that on this, or are we going to get in trouble? Because I remember when I was watching the Piper's Pit thing, and the Piper popped it out there, and I was like, oh! And you always hear stuff about Piper being pretty loose with the racial stuff back in the day. And Not like, really, though. A lot of people don't glaze over that fact. I can't tell you how many comedians and internet and, and personalities that are out there that are like, oh, I love Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper was so great. But then, like, anytime, like, somebody says something, like, half racist in entertainment, they'd be like, well, this guy's a monster. He doesn't belong in entertainment. You know, he should be banned and he should be kicked out forever yeah, yeah. because of this thing he said. Motherfucker, Roddy Piper said that shit on a Tuesday. <laughs> to fucking just... He did blackface. He did, yeah. half, he did half blackface. Let's get... <laughs> oh, not even mention the racist shit he said about Chavo Guerrero in L.A. Not to mention... Oh, yeah, he brought... He, he played Le Cucaracho on the bagpipes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just completely use every Oops, racial slur you could use yeah, against yeah, a Mexican. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he dropped the N-word in the South. Like, he... But he did it all solely to draw money. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and, yeah, as the being whole a Conor McGregor thing. Whole, yeah, whole being a like a, just a straight up heel. Yeah, and, and that that's no what he did. It was hateful or whatever the fuck. But people just glaze over that fact, and if somebody says something like half racist in a joke, they'll they'll, they'll scream about that. But then you won't scream about Roddy Piper. Yeah, yeah. The, it, the joke was satirical. You didn't understand that. But Piper would just be like, "Give me money," because. Yeah, come see me get my ass kicked. This is part of the entertainment. I'm a bad guy. Ha 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 ha. And you're not gonna and you're gonna let go of that. Now, granted, like Piper is doing his job. Yeah, you want to see him get his ass kicked. But I'm just saying, if you're gonna stand in your soapbox and love this person, don't forget why why he was the best bad guy in the business. I the, the same way with movies where uh, there's so much stuff with. Uh, I mean, Louis C.K. is a piece of shit, and I'll still do that. And you turn on him, it's like, I'm not going to watch his new movie, blah, blah, blah. There was a big thing. It was supposed to play Toronto. They sent out screeners, blah, blah, blah. Ah, th- uh, screw this new Louis C.K. movie. He's like, is Rosemary's Baby still in your DVD category? Is Chinatown? Do you, are you still a big Polanski fan? I'm pretty sure uh, Chaplin had some pedophile accusations. Do you still uh, love modern fucking times? And there's just so much garbage. That I, <laughs> it's just tough to deal with in the artistic business sometimes. I, mean, I am a obnoxiously liberal person. Yep. And nothing... <laughs> You think conservatives and Trump supporters piss me off? Nothing pisses me off more than other fucking liberals <laughs> and their selective bullshit like that. Yeah, no, a hundred. Yeah, so let's not forget why Piper was a bad guy. Yeah, because yeah. he would just say that shit because he knew there was a bunch of Italians in the crowd. Yeah, and and he knew the, he knew exactly what he was saying. Oh yeah, he he knew exactly how to get him mad, and that's what his job was, and he reveled reveled in it and there was no apology coming from him 
ever. He would be mad at you if you even like, hey, Piper, you kind of went over the line with saying that. He'd go, fuck you. I was doing my job. <laughs> and he would say that to the day he died. But it probably had a lot to do it. Did Roddy Piper, the man, the, the, the not wrestler, he didn't believe those words. No, he wanted to make money and he was happy yeah, yeah, to work yeah. with Bruno. Yeah, the, he was yeah. happy to work with Chavo Guerrero in LA yeah. and talked about how awesome it was to wrestle him and how mad he got those people to get them to care so much about that person. Yeah, it's true. It's fucked up, but it's true. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Roddy, one of the greats, possibly unnecessarily racist. <laughs> All right. So the big blow off to their feud would be a still cage match at the Boston Garden. And it's cool because they have the match on top of that sweet ass parquet floor that the Celtics always used to play on. And as an old school basketball squeaky, fan, squeaky, I, squeaky, I, squeaky. I, was, I was marking out. WWE Network has this rated TV 14, so only watch it if you're an edgy edgelord, bro. It's a really good match. Uh, oh, okay. It's a fun match. I, it's worth a watch. It's Roddy Piper. It's Bruno San Martino. It's fun. Check it out. It ends with uh, Bruno popping Piper in the head with a few times with a chair and walking out of the cage. And keep in mind, this is post-retirement Bruno. Where yeah, Bruno yeah. was He's older here, yeah. Yeah, he was basically like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm out of here. I had my last match. Or right, I'm going to come back for David. And then now he finds himself in a in steel a cage <laughs> with Roddy Piper, the number one heel in fit, the territory. You can feel his shrug of like, uh, you could, it's just Danny Glover and the shit out of him. It's like, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> and it's like he got caught again. Yeah. He didn't learn his lesson. Yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm so fed up. Here's the belt. I'm done. Uh, like, all right, come on back. We're going to let you hold it for a year. And then he's like, all right, then a year turns into three years. Don't I'm done. Leave me alone. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Do you have a son? <laughs> come on back. And now he's in a steel cage with Roddy Piper, mid-80s. Bruno probably quit fucking his wife so he wouldn't have any more kids. So there would be <laughs> nothing else to pull him back into the business. Because if I pop out another kid <laughs> and then when I'm like 70 and he starts wrestling, oh. they're going to make me come back. I'm not not letting that happen. He is my blood. I have to do it. Uh, keeping with the WrestleMania theme, in April of 86, Bruno would be part of the 20-man battle royal at WrestleMania 2, which we discussed in Andre the Giant. Yellow trunks. <laughs> Yellow trunks and all. Andre would go on to win that. I don't know who eliminated Bruno. I don't remember. I, I don't remember either. Uh, remember? I, uh, I'm aware. I feel like Bruno is old school enough that he probably paid attention to where all the cameras were. <laughs> and slipped out. <laughs> yeah. Like, or, or like when he got eliminated by somebody, he probably made sure that they eliminated him when the cameras weren't paying attention. Yeah. What about like, I mean... Do you so that way they... you just saw Bruno on the ground and then the guy who eliminated is off being... Like doing whatever. Like I feel like Bruno's old school enough. But I feel that he like he's such a big it. name. They would have had to have that moment to put it over. Well, right? I don't think. It, I, well, you're not going to have agents that are like lay out a battle royal. They're just going to book the battle uh, royal yeah. and say, in the end, it's the Hard Foundation, Andre the Giant. You guys do a little spot and they do it. This is kind of fun. Now I'm going to go watch the, <laughs> the battle royal and see what happens. Yeah, I, I'm kind of <laughs> curious too, like who he would have picked to have do it, or if it was made to be a big deal. But yeah, I don't think they were like. There's so many people listening right now. To it's like you fucking. Listen, we 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 have done a multitude of research. <laughs> we just did three podcasts on Andre the Giant. We're now doing our second. No, this I'm just our... calling out the moment. So the guy listening right now is giving a shit. I'm talking to you right now. You can't give a shit now. 
Hey, a uh, guy that's listening right now, why don't you go do an entire research on Andre the Giant and Bruno San Martino and another podcast is coming down the pike and then record five episodes, then talk about this battle royal and see if you even remember. <laughs> wow, this went further than I was planning to bid to go. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going all in on this Fuck guy. Fuck you, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> if his name's Carl, it's going to blow his mind. All right. After the battle royal, Bruno would have his last major feud in professional wrestling. Bruno San Martino would face the Macho Man Randy Savage, which blows my fucking mind. Bruno oh, San Martino, yeah. a guy who was born in the 30s, <laughs> wrestled Macho Man Randy Savage. So Bruno attacked Savage after a promo where Savage bragged about injuring Ricky Steamboat. You're slime. Um, You're slime. Bruno even got a shot at the WWF Intercontinental Championship. And a lot of this feud isn't on video that I could find. But there is a really great match on the network between the two as part of Bruno's Living Legend collection. And at 52 years old, he could still go. It was insane. You talk about Bruno who never aged. You have Macho Man in his prime. You have Bruno keeping up with him. And it's it's a fun match. The interview that Bruno... Did you see the interview with Bruno and Savage? They kicked it open. Like, Bruno's trying to interview him, and then he gets mad, and he calls him slime or something, and they start brawling. That's on YouTube if anybody wants to watch it. It's pretty funny. This match is a dark horse for my favorite ever Bruno match. (laughs) Bruno gets counted out, snaps, and then bear hugs Macho until the entire locker room comes to pull him off. <laughs> really? At 52 right. years old. Well, in, in, about this time, like it's a very conflicted time in Bruno's life because Bruno, one of the things he wanted to do with his career, because we, we talked about uh, Primo Canera, which was the, the first guy he saw wrestle, former mm. boxer. Mm. He vividly remember when Primo got later uh, in, in his career People would always say, oh, what are you doing getting in the ring, old man? What are you doing, old man? So he always took it to his heart, like, don't stick around. Oh, don't yeah, have these yeah, people call yeah. you old man. Yeah. And here he is now at 50, and he's fighting all these young guys. So you know people are going to say, what are you doing, old man? What are you doing? Yeah. And even in the locker room, there was one guy um, who Sal told me that they said this, but Sal wouldn't tell me who said this because the person's still alive. This person one night when they found saw their name on the card facing Bruno, they said, oh, man, I got to go wrestle the old man. Uh. And that got back to Bruno, and Bruno's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and proceeded to go out and blow him sky exactly. high and just bounce him around, went all over the place, and then and like just blew him up and went to the back and walked straight over to him. And he goes, hey, how'd the old man do tonight? <laughs> The guy's ears hanging off and he's drooling. Like, hey, pretty good. He goes, he goes, oh, pretty good. Pretty good. And never had another complaint the rest of the trip. Throughout the rest of 87, Bruno would have sporadic matches against the likes of Hercules and Honky Talk Man. And Bruno San Martino's final match was at a WWF house show in Baltimore, August 29th, 1987, where he teamed up with Hulk Hogan to defeat King Kong Bundy and One Man Gang in the main event. A guy who wrestled with Buddy Rogers teamed up with Hulk Hogan. That's just, that blows my mind. And could still go probably the same, if not better, than Hulk Hogan, King Kong Bundy, and One Man Gang. Well, and here's the funny story about uh, that match uh, that that Sal told me. Was that, like I said, he's 
now working a full schedule. He's working feuds with Piper and Savage, mid-80s. He's going around. And the thing is, like, this is like during the national expansion. So, like, keep in mind, he had a tough time doing the schedule when it was basically Allentown, Hershey, Pennsylvania, yeah. Baltimore, um, Boston. Like, he had a tough time with that schedule on the road. Now, with the national expansion, they're giving a booking sheet that says Phoenix, Arizona, <laughs> Albuquerque, New Mexico, San Francisco, next week, New Jersey, Boston, Knoxville, Tennessee. And like, he's just like, I can't, I, I can't do <laughs> I this. I got older. <laughs> I got older and now I'm going across the country all the time with the same amount of dates. And I'm zigzagging through here and this that match in, in Baltimore, they just like put him on and, and advertised him and he didn't even know he was supposed to be at that show in Baltimore. Jesus. And he's just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> he goes, why are you going to the old man? You got Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Why do you need Bruno San Martino on in this tag match in Baltimore? I just got back from Arizona. So he walked in the office and was like, look, I didn't even know I was going to be on this, this show and in this main event. But since you already advertised me, I'm going to be there. And after that, I'm done. <laughs> do not book me. Do not advertise me. I will not show up. I am done after this match, and that's that's why this was this was the last straw. He didn't even know he was advertised for this yeah. <laughs> until like like the week of. So he's like, "I'm doing this, and I am done." After officially retiring, San Martino would do some commentary, mostly on superstars of wrestling, until March of '88. When he and the WWF had a hard breakup, mm, it's so, like that first high school when you really loved. Yeah. Well, and you say officially retired. Funny story. After the hard breakup, before we get into everything that that entails, after he was done with the WWE, even the commentary and the hard breakup, uh, you say he was officially done. But at that time, the NWA was embroiled in a big feud with the WWF. And this is when the NWA started kind of invading WWF's territory. Mm, yeah. And they started running, you know, events in Baltimore. And then eventually they ran the Meadowlands as well. Now, they weren't drawing worth a shit in the Meadowlands. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was just WWF territory. They're just saying, hey, I'm here. Basically. Yeah, they, they, they did, they weren't drawing. It, hardly anybody just because they weren't established there. That's just the way. It, like, I grew up in the Midwest. I was a WWF kid. Yeah. And when I saw Ric Flair come into the WWF, I'm like, who is this old rookie? <laughs> like, <laughs> like everything looked. Wow. Anything that I saw that wasn't WWF looks subpar yeah, or like sure. or like generic wrestler. Like, I would see the Road Warriors before they were in WWF. I'm like, what are these generic painted up wrestlers? It's, when it's was, like the Road Warriors, the biggest stars in, in all, of, all of the world yeah, yeah. of professional wrestling. So... When the NWA would run the Meadowlands, they were drawing next to nobody. And one, and of course, the fans, when there's next to nobody there, and the, sh- and the guys know it, so the show's kind of the shits. And so that's where you start getting the fucking chants. Much like today, you get the, the CM Punk chants when shit goes awry. Well, back in the day, in New York... In New York tri-state area, when shit go awry, instead of CM Punk chants, you're chanting, Bruno, Bruno. And they were doing it while Larry Zabisco was in the ring when he was wrestling for the (laughs) NWA. Uh, Larry recognized the Bruno chants, got out of the ring because it's a way for Larry to avoid doing any work in the ring, which he loved to do, (laughs) is he went out 
got on the on the live microphone and basically said, Bruno sucks. Place oh, erupted. Shit. Biggest reaction that was on the entire show was just Larry telling the That's crowd amazing. to shut up and Bruno sucks. Now, Larry, Larry, or Larry was like, thank you for the silver platter offering that I can just oh, fucking yeah. devour. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Now, this uh, led to this story, which everyone will deny. Dusty Rhodes denied Everybody will deny. Maybe there's only a few people that may even allude that this even happened. So obviously, when the report comes back from this Meadowland shows that did not go well, I was like, what was the biggest thing that happened? Well, people chanting Bruno, and then Larry said Bruno sucks. It was the biggest reaction. <laughs> Bruno is parted ways with WWF, and they decide, well, what? You know, we're having a hard time drawing in the Meadowlands. Why don't we reach out to Bruno? And like I said, they will deny this, but this is this is this is what came from Bruno, which came from Sal. So this is pretty pretty closely removed. Uh, they they went, reached out to Bruno and they asked him what it would take for him to come to the NWA and Jim Crockett promotions no. and, and all of this. <laughs> Bruno basically said, he goes, look, I want four weeks on TV. I'll cut promos, hype it up, and just give me thirty thousand dollars. They said, no, thank you. We're not interested. So then Bruno's like, all right, well, I guess, you know, guarantee that's uh, that may be a little bit steep, but we need about four to six weeks to make make it happen if you want to come back to Meadowlands. And Bruno said, well, tell you what, why don't you just give me 4% of the house? He knew. <laughs> yeah. They said, no, thank you. Ah. But it was basically like, it was like, and part of the reason why you know, everybody feels like they didn't do it was because... You know, you come out there with flair. You're coming out with all these people. You know, if you book Bruno, who has always been a New York WWF guy, and all of a sudden he can draw better than all of right. your NWA guys. Right. It looks, yeah. it, you know, it, uh. you don't, and then it just shows <laughs> that, oh, we are second class. It, you know, and also, too, I'm sure they didn't want to give four percent of the house to just bruno especially since it was just the meadowland shows and it's like okay we're gonna put tv time into one one house show that we do here we just won't run the meadowlands we'll just stay in spartanburg where we're drawing we'll just stay in the we'll stay in atlanta where we're drawing we'll stay in richmond norfolk charlotte all these places where we're drawing greensboro we'll just stay here and we just won't go up to the meadowlands as much we'll go out to dallas we'll go out to everywhere else we'll avoid the northeast and just give it up or we'll just Stay in Philly or stay in Baltimore where we're having some success. Wow. And we'll just build our way up. <laughs> but everyone will deny it. Dusty denied it till Nah, baby, it's not what happened to Exactly. But that but that was always the you know, get to the beef with him and Flair. You know, Flair always knocked Bruno. He's like, Well he goes, Bruno was drawing what he was drawing because of the population density. He goes, Flair's like, I was drawing thousands of thousands of people in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Right. Which which is a good argument, but at the same time too, Flair, you had that run for a few years. Bruno had this decades long yeah. run yeah. that you can't you can't deny. And also too, you could also make the argument there was so much more stuff to do. When Ric Flair comes to your town in nineteen eighty five and nineteen eighty six coming to easily South Carolina it is the biggest event that You're will ever that is the biggest <laughs> event that will ever happen to easily South Carolina yeah. like like nobody's going to easily South Carolina <laughs> nobody but Ric Flair Dusty Rhodes these national TV stars are going to be in Anderson, South Carolina, yeah. you're going to show up. Yeah, yeah. people We're are in, planning this out weeks, months in advance. Like, I'm going to this on this date and all this shit. Bruno's competing with 
Frank Sinatra, uh, a bevy of other things that are going the on Yankees, in you. The you Yankees, know, yeah. you know, the Knicks, uh, the Giants, whoever's in that area. Not he's as prevalent be, advertising, too. I yeah. Mean, right? yeah. Uh, he's, he's dealing with that and he's getting drowned out. So the, there's two sides that argument. But uh, I'm there's a story online of Bruno trying to confront Flair and Flair seeing Bruno in a hallway and then turning around and walking the opposite direction. And then was it Flair's story is that he went to shake Bruno's hand and he rejected him and walked by him or something or you know it's which all- I believe Bruno would be like, oh, you don't think I'm a I'm a draw? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fuck you, I'm not going to shake your hand. You yeah, know? yeah. For once, see, I'll, I'll own up. Uh, yeah, I think Bruno's side of the story makes more sense. Yeah. So, but there are two ways to look at it. it uh, I, I do see Flair side of the argument, like, look, the population density it does play a part. But then Bruno also talked about how he drew in San Francisco and Florida and all that. The, stuff. But uh, you know what? I, I'd have to say some of those reports may be a little bit trumped up. Well, it's like, hey, I suckered you into it. I made yeah. you oh, do yeah, my work. I, 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 I will. I will. Oh, can see that he drew in New York, but other places, other people have disputed that that evidence. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. but I will say that you know I don't think Bruno really has that much. I would say he'd be very factual. If Bruno didn't draw in San Francisco, I think he would he would admit it. Yeah. I I think he has enough honor and enough pride. They'd be like, I did okay. He would at least say that. But if he he sold out, he sold out. Yeah. That's how that's how I feel about it. But yeah, that's a story that uh, you know most people will, will deny. No, that's good stuff. That's but, that's, that's good stuff, Jake. That, 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 just that little spot right there. I wanted to get that in before we talk into. That's why Jake's on the podcast, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> before we get into a lot more of the drama. Oh, so and and all right, so let's just hop into it. His pretty brutal breakup with the business. So Bruno had been around the locker room in the late 80s and had seen the changes in the locker room the steroids the drugs and he wanted no part of it Uh, he even made vince have chief j strongbow be his travel partner because he didn't want to ride with any of these younger guys get pulled over busted for drugs and then mess up his flawless record no it it makes total sense because like even if it's not him if he's in the car not even legality wise, which could be a thing, but just like newspaper. Yeah, just the, 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 the kayfabe of it all, of not to be associated with it in any way. And and this is a man who was in the public eye for sixty years, and by the end of his life, he never had a scandal and accusation, and not that many people besides Flair who had a bad word to say about him. <laughs> oh, and, and I, I totally echo those sentiments. Like that's that's a reasonable request. Like I just was at a um, wrestling show and I got a hotel room, um, and I had some other of my students splitting the hotel room with us. It because just you know there was six of us crammed into a hotel room. You know, only two beds, yeah. so everybody's kind of set up however they're set up. And I said, you get a bed, and then how's the second bed decided with <laughs> six students? Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly curious. So let's, let's, uh, I didn't <laughs> care. I passed out in, in the bed by myself. And they had to work a match. And, they, the and match. I told them that if somebody else, will, else wants to hop in this bed, it's big enough, that's fine. But nobody else did. Everybody else slept around on the floor. But anyways, it was like at this hotel, so I was down in the, the convention area, and I was down there, and then I came back up. And the room just reeked of pot. Yeah. <laughs> now keep in mind, it's uh, you know somebody's credit cards on the room, and it's not any of these people that smoke pot. Yeah. Uh, so I had to pull the, these these young wrestlers aside, and I had to make it very clear: you do not do this. 
there are plenty of places that you can go do this. Yeah. Not in not in a hotel room or or my name is associated with this. Yep. And on this room, you you do not do this. And these are just these are fine people. These are this is not. Um, Scared straight. This is this, scared straight program. This, this, this is this is not uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. You know what I'm saying? Like this, these are young, upstanding individuals. Yeah. These are not people at the level of Brutus the Barber Beefcake, which uh, probably like, what's your problem, man? I do this all the time. You know, like they're not going to give you <laughs> we that cold, answer. We cold, dude. We cold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They give that answer. So I, I most certainly understand that because you know sometimes you can't help stupid and you definitely can't legislate against it sometimes. <laughs> what a square. <laughs> So after leaving the WWF, San Martino became an outspoken critic of professional wrestling, mostly aiming his sights on WWF. He was mostly upset about the blatant steroid use, the drug use, and later the vulgar storylines. And two things he later uh, specifically named was the Kiss My Ass Club with Vince <laughs> and tr- and the uh, having sex-, sex with Katie Vick's deck corpse, <laughs> which is one of the worst things WWE has ever done. But it's funny, he was bitching about the WWF in the 80s. Yeah, right. Which, like, everybody when the Kiss My, a- Kiss My Ass thing came up, a lot of the guys that wrestled in the 80s when Bruno was bitching about the WF were out bitching about the WWF now. Because yeah. a bunch of his thing was like the characters. There were there were so many gimmicks. There yeah. weren't just like, it wasn't Bruno. It wasn't a guy in a tights. It wasn't, you know, just a man's man just doing moves. It was, it was cartoon characters, and that was part of it, too. But then, you know, if, if you fuck a dead... Dead person, that's a problem for Bruno. I, I assume the Attitude Era just melted his mind. That's a there, there's a shoot interview that Joey Styles uh, is in between, and the whole time I'm thinking like, does Bruno know? Yeah, does he Bruno know, know what ECW and Joey Styles was? But but Bruno is very proper. He was a gentleman. He's very old school. Uh, but not only that, he's a guy who grew from this sickly kid into one of the most impressive-looking men of his era, or any era, without steroids. He also got over as much, if not more, than Rock Austin Hogan, using just ring psychology in his presence. And I think a part of this came from genuine concern. The steroid abuse, the drug abuse, led to wrestlers in the 80s, 90s, 2000s dropping like flies, well, Bruno never aged past 50. Jeez, it was amazing. And we're talking about maybe triple digits of pro wrestlers who didn't even make it to 50. So, uh, was he right? It's, a little bit, a, yeah. A whole it, lot of, it, yeah. It, yeah, that's the thing. Like He's like, look, all the shit that I went through and everything that I went through and I got to the place that I did and I didn't do it doing drugs, I didn't do it doing steroids, I didn't take a shortcut... And I did it this way. I mean, that's. I mean, he stood on his convictions. Yeah. I mean, there is a, there is a, watching Bruno with this stuff. There is there's a lot of me. It's like old man yells at cloud, but then there's also the the hundred percent respect about his integrity. And it's like I understand when you understand a person's story and you know the entire perspective, or you you have an idea of the perspective they have. It, it checks out, and you can kind of make jokes. Old man yells at Cloud like I just did, like a doofus. 
But I mean, like a lot of Bruno stuff, I was like, all right, I get it. I get it a hundred damn percent. Man. That's the thing that's interesting about Jim Cornette. The <laughs> yeah. thing that he got over with was he was with a tag team that did a whole bunch of high spots, which I'm sure pissed <laughs> off all the veterans in the back. Even someone like a Bruno Sarmartino probably would look at a Midnight Express like, what are all these guys doing? Killing the business, jumping off the top rope, doing a Vegematic. But because they made money in the Superdome, everybody accepted it. But but Jim Cornette cannot accept the fact that the Young Bucks make a shit ton of money <laughs> pushing forward high spots and tag team wrestling much in the same way that the Midnight Express did. That was another aspect that was kind of like, okay, Bruno, you had your time and there was wrestling at a certain time where it was expected to be a certain thing. And now culture changes. It's any art form. It's going to evolve. And now these guys are doing what they love, and it's the same business, so why can't you let them have their money, too? I mean, I, I understand his perspective, but in there also that, like, why are you shitting on guys who are trying yeah, to make Yeah, and their- that's it. That's also the other side of yeah. it, too. It's like, Bruno would absolutely hate Joey Ryan. But what <laughs> Joey Ryan is doing is fantastic, but at the same time, too... If you're Joe Ryan or the man scout Jake Manning, who's putting people through tents all the time these days, <laughs> I understand. That's becoming a real cool thing. <laughs> yeah, I I understand Bruno. I understand why Bruno Sam, Sam Martino would not like my matches. I I understand that. But when Jim Cornette wrestled a Ninja Turtle in a ring, yeah, it's very right, it's you. very hard thank for you. me to listen to you. Now I understand why Bruno Sammartino wouldn't because <laughs> of his convictions, but at the same time too, you were there too, buddy. Oh, that's so good. Sorry, I, Ninja Turtles, Cornette. I bet Ninja people Turtles. even in his day were like, "Look at Buddy Rogers strutting around like this is Sodom and Gomorrah." Like, like, like. I mean, it's it's any art form that slowly evolves. I mean, that's what happens in everything i mean that it will continue to happen i mean we're 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 all old men yelling at clouds (laughs) we will be that we we are now but at the same time too like bruno did make some appearances at at ring of honor and i would imagine that he would have appreciated nigel mcginnis brian danielson's matches i'm sure he could look at those matches and be like well these guys are a little small but you know they really go you know like he watched like roderick strong and danielson going at it for 55 minutes but it's all just mat work and just and just holds and uh, And and he did multiple appearances so i would assume that he wasn't embarrassed to be associated with the promotion so i'm i'm sure that if anything is like oh that's a thing that you liked and you found something and great you know cool all right so bruno would call out the wwf on shows like the phil donahue show geraldo and cnn he talks about wwe the way i talk about comedy zone <laughs> uh, <laughs> i like your laugh at music if you want a case study on how to debate a liar watch bruno destroy vince on a 1992 episode of larry king and i'm a bit of a vince apologist you know, I I think he softened up a bit in later age. He changed his heart. And I can't thank him enough for what he did for the business. That's the mention, Nick. this time period of Vince McMahon, I fucking hate him. Uh, 80s, 90s Vince was such a little twat. So they're debating the Tom Cole, <laughs> Pat Patterson sexual harassment and, and the steroid use. And Vince is the owner. He's in there doing his best damage control, trying to spin it and deflect it. And Bruno's just hitting every pitch Vince throws like out of the park. Nick, I disagree because uh, Vince at the beginning says, 
we I, I have no clue about any of this and I want to get to the bottom of this and we're investigating ourselves and so far we have found that we have done nothing wrong <laughs> but it's like Vince, Vince is opening not to step in but the opening is Larry's like do you know anything about these scandals and how do you respond to any of this like I don't know how to respond about it <laughs> And then and there's dead silence and Larry's like, so <laughs> Vince just like is totally he plays the total like what? There's bad things happening yeah, in my yeah, school. Yeah. That that's the thing. Vince checks every box of a lying politician mm-hmm. trying to get out of a scandal. He attacks the media. Maybe you've heard of that before. He blames the victim for not coming forward while simultaneously trying to discredit the victim, even if they did come forward. What is he, a Supreme Court judge? What are you looking, <laughs> looking at your papers there? They're not just papers out of your hand. <laughs> so every time someone brings up a valid point, so, uh, something that is undeniably proven in later years, he sells it with a, yeah, okay, Bruno, which is the best defense when you have no other defense. <laughs> The, the best moment in the whole thing, I think, for me, is when Barry Orton, Barry Orton, Barry Orton brings up unions. And there is a moment, if you're watching, I think it's around the 8, 9, I don't know. It's kind of early in uh, Barry Orton's interview. And Vince does one of the best high school girl eye rolls yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've yeah, ever yeah. seen in my <laughs> life. He did, like, it's a head bob mixed with an eye roll with like a mouth drop. It's like, yeah. ah. It's, it, it, it's, a, it's a thing of douchey beauty. It is. Listen, I would do the same exact thing. Because <laughs> when people bring up bring up unions for pro wrestlers, I do the same exact fucking <laughs> You're thing. You're against unions? Motherfucker. That, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not fucking feasible. It's not fucking feasible. Why? Because, f- okay, a union of guys get together and they're like, hey, we need to do this. Let's say, let's say everybody in the WWF right fucking now. Just WWF. Uh, yeah, let's say because let's say, they're the ones at the top right now. Let's say everybody gets together mm-hmm. and like we're gonna get and we're joining this union. We're gonna get we're gonna get these things. We're gonna get healthcare. We're gonna get rights and benefits, all that stuff. Sure, we're gonna do that. Vince, you're gonna do this or we're gonna walk out. Vince will look at him and say, "Go ahead," and then he will hire every of the independent wrestlers and they will all take their spots. So just scabs. That's the yeah. There are fucking scabs. Like there are there are guys. There, there there are more than enough guys that will take those guys' place. And Vince will say that. But before you walk out, I want to let you know that I have more than enough people that will come in off the street and take your same exact position. And also, too, I don't think most of you are willing to walk out. And the people that and you have to think when you really walk out, you're going to be convicted. But if you stay, I won't think anything of it. And, well, and I, I won't I won't hold it against you for being in this meeting. And we'll just move forward. And guess what? You'll get the spot of one of the guys that walked out the door. But it's only it, the only reason it's not feasible because Vince is a stubborn dick. No, is that well, what we're saying? No, it, because there'll be a, there'll be enough scabs. There'll be enough people. To turn I know, but that, that's the reason he's turning them down because he just says, "You mean nothing to me. I can replace you." Yeah. Isn't that? But as I'm saying, he's being a stubborn dick. That's the only reason it's not feasible. He's being correct. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> even even at a local level, I went through this with stand-up comedy, trying to get the fucking MCs paid in Charlotte. I sacrificed my own comedy spots and money to walk out and not do MC spots for a certain comedy club. And instead of people embracing that and saying, fuck yeah, we deserve $25, the little dickheads just went and did other free (laughs) spots. And it's like when you do free spots for these clubs, you're taking away us ever getting paid. 
Or when you middle for a club for fifty fucking dollars, you take away from us ever getting paid a hundred and fifty dollars. But isn't that the thing where it's just like, okay, it's fucked now, but you have to attack it in a different way and build the culture up in a different way? No, so because there's more than enough people just do it for. The I know, but yeah, you they, have to. You, uh, plenty of hacks and untalented <laughs> people waiting to jump at the, the less talented people. Are waiting to fill a CM Punk spot. I know, but top, I just want to know, change or... everybody's heart and everybody's happy. <laughs> everybody, everybody. This is why everybody you goddamn hippie out. liberals don't get anything done. <laughs> I'm not idealistic. I'm just sad. We're, we're, we're past that point. The, the closest point they had is when uh, Jesse Ventura was doing it, and he was going to have Hulk involved, and Hulk sided with the fence. Done. Yep. That was it. Really? That was it. When, uh, early 80s? Hulk Hogan broke up the wrestlers. Was See, was I mean, Jake, you say some stuff sometimes and I don't really know about it. And I'm That like, was the closest it was coming because Hulk was so, so big that if Hulk did walk yeah. in for yeah. the unions... It would it would have worked, but that now it, because it's a WWE, and that's another thing too. It's not solely one. It's not solely just Hulk Hogan. It's not solely Bruno San Martino. It's now the WWE. It is one big thing, a big entity. And when they advertise a show, you know that's why they just put WWE is coming to town. They don't yeah. put Bruno San Martino's being in town. Yeah. Hulk Hogan's going to be in town. They just put the WWE because. When you have that one person that has that leverage over you, then you're at yeah. their whim. And at that time, they would have been at their whim, but they have... Vince realized there was power there, he got lucky, and then realized that's never and that's And that's again. why for a long time, the Jesse Ventura, uh, probably even still to this day, he has a bone of contention against Hulk Hogan. Because he's like, Hulk, if you would have joined us, all the wrestlers would have unions. Fuck. But Hulk was looking out for himself. Because Hulk's like, oh, I don't want to ruin what I got because I've been starving. No, I yeah. know. It's, so. it's, it's all fucked. Oh, man. We got real sidetracked. No. <laughs> that's but, what but, Bruno does, but, man. But, but that's what, the, what Bruno was yeah. fighting for. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? If, if, you know, and that's the thing, too. If, if Bruno was in the spot that Hulk was at the time that Jesse was calling for unions, if Bruno was the guy, I feel like Bruno could have jumped on and then it would have changed everything. So but that's, that's, that's where <laughs> we're at with that. Alright, so they'd fight over uh, the Larry King thing. Bruno's having a grand old time watching Vince squirm. Another good moment at the end. Uh, Larry King asked him, he's like, Do you, no one does steroids in the WWF? And Vince Stone Cold says, no. And then Bruno's like, ha ha ha. Just off camera. <laughs> he just busts out laughing. <laughs> it's a beautiful moment. And uh, Bruno speaking out against all this, was it exactly doing him favors with the boys or bookings or money, but he felt he was morally right about it. And whether you agree with him or not, on every little point, he had a backbone. So, uh, all right, winding down Bruno's career, he worked as a commentator with the UWF, as Jake mentioned. Bruno made a special appearance at NWA Halloween Havoc, where he was a special guest referee in a Thunderdome cage match, which featured Ric Flair and Sting taking on Terry Funk and Great Muda. Yeah, but you just say it as if it's just a regular tag match. No, it's a Thunderdome cage <laughs> match. Like they're they've got I think they got like stuff hanging from the cage. Oh yeah. They've got like rope where he can swing around and you just have the lighting's all scary. Yeah, and shit. scary, like it's like spooky, yeah. like Halloween. Ooh. And you have Bruno San Martino, <laughs> the most straightforward wrestler of all time, in the midst of a Thunderdome cage. <laughs> if he was, was mad about thing. the characters and the gimmicks, you are in a gimmick, brother. <laughs> you are inside the literal belly of the beast. He's like Robocop? <laughs> what, is, what is this Robocop bullshit? 
So in the early 90s, he did some commentary with WCW. He also did a special guest referee spot for Flair and Savage in June of 96. So it comes back around with this feud with Savage. It was around that time that Bruno was just done with wrestling. He was hearing about all the deaths. He was seeing the steroids, the raunchy angles, and he just turned it off. And I think that's all he can do. You have all these people all the time bitching about WWE. Yet every Monday, their ass is on the couch watching Raw. Every Sunday, they're watching a pay-per-view. You can just turn it off. Yeah, you can all get together like a union and shut it off. But oh, guess what? We don't. After wrestling, Bruno spent a lot of time traveling the world with his wife, which must have been nice after a life of, you know, kind of not I being I mean, I, the part, just, that sounds so nice. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. just like traveling the world with someone you love, when you get older, just that idea is just like so pleasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the points that, that Sal pointed out when I did the phone interview with him. He's just like, he, he liked his life. That, that's why he never right. went back, because I, I asked Sal, because Sal ran... Wrestle reunions, like a lot of those those events and stuff like that. So he would always book Bruno on them, and you give Bruno, you know, top dollar, or you know, to get Bruno to come out. And Bruno's like, ah, I really don't want to go travel to L.A. or I don't want to travel to to Florida for this, you know, convention and wrestling show. But you know, Sal would always get him to to come out. He only turned down one one booking that Sal offered him. But Sal was very sparing in how he he offered it. But like Sal said, if wrestling was just in Pittsburgh, Bruno would just be doing it all the time. Right. He he would have come over and do it and be like a job. Yeah, sure. There's a wrestling convention in Pittsburgh. That's why there was a couple wrestling reunions like in Pennsylvania, just down the road from Pittsburgh. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. No, that one, no problem. It's all about vicinity. Yeah, it was all about vicinity <laughs> because he liked his life. Yeah. He loved his wife, and he just wanted to spend time with her. And you know, like that's you know, and also like a big thing that uh, when Sal would book Bruno. He would always book him to be in the ring some way, somehow. But I, but I asked Sal, like, why didn't we ever see Bruno wrestle one more time? Yeah, one because comeback he, match. Because he was, he, was, he was big, and Sal was using it all the time, so he had a good relationship with him. So if, Sal, if anybody could have talked Bruno into just one more match, because, I mean, Bruno could have back-suplexed somebody, back-broke somebody, punch-kick, bear-hug somebody, and he was... It's not like he was like Jimmy Snooker and had to come off the top rope for yeah, the fucking yeah, Superfly. Yeah, he didn't need so, too much. So yeah. he could have he could have just punch kicked his way through a match. And Sal was like he just had too much pride. Yeah. He just he didn't want people to call him an old man. Well, he didn't want to cheat fans out of their money. Either. Exactly. That was that was another another thing too. But he would he would do the guest referee spot, and he refereed a couple matches with Larry Zabisco. And actually, Dominic Danucci, who I think was about the same age yeah. as, as Bruno, yeah. but yet he's refereeing a match versus Larry and 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 Dominic Danucci, and he got physically involved, and he was kicking Larry at one moment in time and stuff like that. And actually, I remember bringing – we were the ones who brought the ring to that specific event, and I was there for that where Bruno was like the special guest referee for Larry and Dominic Danucci. And apparently after – that match because Bruno like the first time he'd been in a ring in a while and obviously a high spots ring which is very good and he was just <laughs> kind of moving around and hitting the ropes apparently he went to the back and he got all the younger wrestlers around and he goes guys if this is the type of ring that you guys are wrestling in 
I would have been champion for 12 years. <laughs> like, the, I had to wrestle in boxing ring. Say, this ring that you guys wrestle in today, there's no reason. You can't do every spot in the entire <laughs> world every single night. That's a dream. Right? Because so. so many, in all the shoot interviews, even just the in, little ending things, he's just like, the boxing ring. The boxing ring is like, yeah. yeah, he was just, it was destroying his body, man. Just killing it in that boxing ring and that was one thing i didn't even think of when i thought about old school wrestling was just they didn't take the care in the creation of the ring like they did now and it's just like every night that's gonna add up tenfold so when he wasn't traveling with his wife he hit the shoot interview circuit pretty hard he also made a lot of documentaries about his life and including my favorite one la mia mama where (laughs) he goes back to valaraca the mountain where he hit at during world war ii so less about pro wrestling and more about his family going back to the mountain if you can find it on youtube i recommend it it's fun watch it is good i i haven't watched all of it because nick's better at research than me but uh yeah the little bit i watched i was like oh this is something different interesting and from a film nerd thing it it was good stuff So in 2013, after eight months of phone calls with Triple H, he finally accepted an invitation to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame after declining several times in years prior. Yeah, and when I talked to Sal, I specifically asked, like, like how did this all come about? And Sal was like, only reason that Bruno San Martino is in the WWE Hall of Fame is because of Triple H. Which is odd because he spoke out so hardly against the Katie Vick thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, as he said, like, you know, it was when Triple H was kind of ascending through the ranks and, and claiming more control of the company, and he was taking it as a a very important directive to get Bruno into the WWE Hall of Fame, and because Triple H was trained by Killer Kowalski. You know, so mm, kind of knew well, how to kind of how to sense. how to talk to some of these older guys and how to interact with them. But that was like one of like Triple H's number one things to do was to get Bruno in the Hall of Fame because for years, people would be like, "How can you have a Hall of Fame without Bruno San Martino?" Yeah. And there was all these fake Hall of Fames that would induct Bruno and all these subpar Hall of Fames that always induct Bruno, but the WWE never did. And you know, Bruno famously said he could set his watch by Vince McMahon because he knew he would call at a certain time or he knew knew this and and just he just didn't want anything to do with him because of everything and all their history but it wasn't until Triple H stepped to the the foreground in that conversation and and talk to Bruno about it I mean if, if Vince was still doing the negotiations we'd still never have Bruno but you know, Triple H stepped forward, came at it from a different angle, came at it from a different direction, and just really worked on Bruno and really appealed to Bruno. But also, too, I think to an extent, Bruno knew that his time was limited, and he knew, you know, he could die, and they would just put him in anyways. Yeah. So yeah. I might as well go in while I'm alive. You control your own path. And also, think? too, a big thing was that they were changing the product. And I think that was the thing that Triple H kept pushing. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not what you've seen in years past. We have changed. We're going in a different direction. We're doing this and doing that. And he kept work on Bruno and he kept urging him to watch the product and pushing him forward. And then finally Bruno watched the product and he felt like more comfortable about being a part yeah. of the WWE. And it was it was solely Triple H just pushing that forward. So a lot of people will knock Triple H for a lot of things, but the WWE Hall of Fame would not be complete if not for him. 
Also, there's a little controversy with Bruno going in because according to superstar Billy Graham, they paid him a, quote, Mike Tyson amount of money. That's a lot. <laughs> so the standard that you get paid to go into the WWE Hall of Fame is $5,000. And that is what Bruno said he got. And I believe him because it's Bruno Sammartino. However, That's how he gets you. Um, I do think he did get a Mike Tyson amount of money for not only the Hall of Fame appearance, but maybe signing something that would allow WWE to use his image in video games, in merch, and TV, and on the network. Yeah, cetera, it's a lot more than five grand. But that's just a theory and pure speculation on my part. Yeah, but at the same time, too, like you really hadn't had those okays from Bruno to do that in the WWE. So getting that piece of paper signing, like, yes, do what you need to do to push forward. But also, too, I'm sure he wouldn't have signed anything because he wasn't comfortable with the direction of the company. But Triple yeah. H made him yeah, feel more comfortable. Like, hey, going forward, this is what, what this company is about. And we want to also represent our history properly and accurately. And we, we want you to be a part of it. And I think Bruno understood that they could just do that anyways. Yeah. So if you're getting a courtesy. Yeah. If you're going to send this courtesy to me for this while I'm still alive, as opposed to giving it to my relatives when I pass, yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. So the ceremony took place at Madison Square Garden, which is very fitting. April 6, 2013, and Bruno was inducted by Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Bruno also appeared on an October 7th uh, episode of Raw and received birthday greetings in his hometown of Pittsburgh. March 28, 2015, Bruno inducted Larry Zabisco into the WWE Hall of Fame. So what an awesome uh, full circle story for Larry yeah. Zabisco. Alright, step in. If you uh, if you go on YouTube and watch a bunch of him and Larry's feud, watch the shoot interviews with Larry talking about Bruno, watch Zabisco's speech about Bruno accepting him and everything, and I will pay you ten bucks if you don't cry. Because that <laughs> shit, like, watch, it's, a, it's that thing again, it's the full circle, you see the entire narrative, and it's like, I watched the, the Larry thing, and I didn't see it coming, and all of a sudden, my ears are, wa uh, my ears, Jesus <laughs> Christ, uh, my eyes are watering, and it's just like, it, it's so emotional, and it, it's so hard-hitting, it, it's, it's damn good, man. So around 2011, Bruno started having some heart problems, and he'd, he'd even have heart surgery in 2011. And April 18th, 2018, Bruno Sammartino died at the age of 82 with multiple organ failure, mostly centered around his heart issues. Which a guy born in the 30s, dying in his 80s, may be the most normal pro wrestler death we've ever covered and will ever cover. And is still too soon for him. It is, but that's, it was still a huge shock because at 82 years old, Bruno still looked 55. He was still all there mentally. He was still in great shape. So that is the life and career of Bruno Sammartino. Final thoughts. Uh, let me go first. I'm sure Jake's going to do this. Oh, I've, I've, got, I've got four. So you uh, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> How about me and Nick go first and then Jake all right, there you finishes? Go. Um, Bruno, like we talk about the one thing that stuck out to me was Bruno knowing when his time had come. And he knew it, and but the only thing it, it was just like Pacino was like, "You pulled me back in," and then I feel like that is the epitome of Bruno's late career. It's just like just when I thought I was out, you pulled me back in, and it's Barry Sanders comes to mind because Barry Sanders, I think Barry Sanders was a Bruno San Martino fan because he knew when to get the hell out, 
and he just split when he was on top. Online, you see a lot of stuff about Bruno getting called bitter, and I can understand that if you just see certain clips, if you watch the CNN thing, at times he does come off a bit just like attacking, but I think it comes from a really good place, and it comes from a place that he is... He loved and he cherished and he knew what it meant to him and he hated to see it get spit upon and crapped upon and just looked like it wasn't the thing that he loved and grew up on. And so I think Bitter's way too far. He was just angry and he tried to make what he felt was right. I'm going to I'm gonna go watch the damn Baba match that I didn't completely watch and I want to watch more of his stuff. Just uh, They might not be five-star matches. They might not be filled with amazing sequences of reversals and counter reversals but uh i mean i just i want to understand more about bruno and the history and see what the hell was going on at that time and understand it better so i can have a better understanding of what i'm watching now and i mentioned this i think last episode the business was never more loved and respected than when bruno san martino was on the top of it he was a man of class and integrity He's someone you'd want the face of your company, your organization. He was just, he was, he was just a class act. He was a world-class athlete in any sport. Great wrestler for his era. He wasn't going to give you a shooting star press off the Titantron and then hit Ivan Koloff with a light bulb, but he <laughs> knew how to work for his era. He was a student of the game. He loved it. And as a man, as a human being, he fought for what he believed in. He had complete integrity and that's something I, w I want to have more of myself. I missed his career being born in the eighties, but it's someone I, I think about Bruno a lot now after covering him and finding out more about him. I really look up to him and I respect him and he is a role model for anyone, whether you watch pro wrestling or you don't. Um, before I get into some of my stuff, uh, when I did the phone name with Sal, he wanted to let me know, let everybody know, it's not just Bruno fans, but all pro wrestling fans, that actually um, Bruno's book will be uh, re rewritten, re-released. Bruno wrote a book, and, and it was released in 1990, and Sal basically said it was embarrassing and said, and he even told Bruno to his face. He goes, of all the things that you've ever done, Bruno, the only thing that's embarrassing is your book because it's very kayfabe. Like he still talks Ooh, uh, it as okay. if it's like in real terms. And also too, it had a lot of anti WWE stuff in it. So like they had uh, a the, bitterness. Yeah. The bitterness thing. to it. So as you know, you know, Bruno was especially during his ho hospitalization. Like he he told Sal, like, "Hey, Sal, like, I'd really like my book to kind of be redone, and these are the things I want out. These are the things I want changed. So, like, all those wishes that Bruno wanted changed and rewritten. So, a rewrite and a re-release. Yeah. It's more of a re it's more of a rewrite, but it's not a rewriting of history. Everything that he says in there it's is having the editor that he should have had it in the had it exactly, in the first place. exactly. There, and there was a lot of typos in it, so he wasn't edited properly. So, yeah, it was it was more that more of that taking this and then editing it down into something a bit more concise. But it's still 426 pages. It's 
gonna have it's gonna have all new pictures in it. Awesome. Um, it's actually um, as we're recording this now, it'll be released in December first, so it's already out right now. <laughs> so go ahead as this release, this podcast release, it would have been a really great Christmas gift yeah. if this podcast came Sister's out before birthday. Christmas, but we're already post Christmas right now. So I highly recommend that you go pick up Bruno's book. But as far as like stories, like you know. You know, we talk about we've talked about how classy you know Bruno is this whole time, and a phrase that that really hit me in my discussion with Sal Corrente was he talked about Bruno being like old Hollywood, you know, probably in the same sense like if you were in L.A. and you went to a party and you saw Johnny Carson, yeah, like how how much prestige this person yeah. is coming over to you and you felt that you knew that, but the thing about about Bruno is is he treated people with value, like everybody. I believe, yeah, we, we, I believe we, with, that 100%. with value. And, yeah. and, and I can double up on that. When we were doing wrestler reunions, we ran Toronto, and Sal amazingly got Bruno to get on a plane and go to Toronto because that was another thing Bruno didn't like doing was getting on a plane in the winter time because he's like oh, is it really going to get delayed because he lives in Pittsburgh he knows it's going to snow I like my time my yeah time I like my time I, I don't want to be delayed I just want to go do this come back home and, and also too another thing too that Sal told me is he never slept on the road he would just fly in sit in the lobby at 5am do the appearance and then hop back on a plane that night it's like Nick he, doing the podcast. He yeah, because he, <laughs> yeah, he just he's like, I don't want to just have a hotel. Like he tried to avoid always having a hotel and staying. Away. He's like, if I'm going to stay and sleep in a bed, I want to sleep in my own bed because I already slept in all these hotels all my life. So every time he, he just he just wanted to go in and come right back out. So that's why he, he always avoided traveling during the wintertime. We got him to go to Toronto um, during the wintertime. And actually we had a good friend of mine ran his table and his autograph line and sometimes when you're working people's autograph tables they can be a little bit annoying demanding pushy hard to deal with but bruno was such a nice individual to my, my friend ken my friend ken's like oh my god bruno is a dream awesome. and I'm like bruno like offered to go get me something and i'm supposed to be go getting stuff for him and i do i had I had a hard time just explaining to him i'm here for you to make this experience go better but you're i'm having a hard time doing that because you're trying to uh, accommodate to me and and that and that's the thing that that sal said is like you didn't have to be a somebody to get his attention bruno was just one of those guys that was just treated everybody as if they had value and we talk about in-ring style we were you're joking around like he didn't do a shooting star press but what bruno always said is he tried to make his matches different in some way he he saw a lot of older guys have the same type of matches and then, oh this is when and Anthony Araka would do the same th- the same exact thing so he'd always try to adapt to other people's styles and try to make every one of his matches different in, in some way somehow and you know he always ripped on Flair for doing the same exact thing oh this is when Flair does the thing and I think that was like a big bone of contention We're like oh Flair you're gonna come for me well guess what I, I at least made my matches different yeah. of course uh, I Texted George. I didn't think I was going to get anything, but I actually got uh, probably one of the best stories. But uh, this one's pretty cool, too. When I texted George, I just texted Bruno question mark because, you know, I didn't think I'd get anything out of it because, you know, I didn't think George would have right. interacted with Bruno whatsoever. But text, George immediately texted back and I was like, oh, I loved him. And Bruno, George texted back that Bruno asked him, George, uh, being the him 
to to go get an autographed picture of Ivan Koloff because Bruno didn't want to go ask himself because he was still keeping kayfabe. <laughs> oh my God! But he loved Ivan so much he wanted an autographed picture of Ivan Koloff. Aww. But he but but he didn't want to didn't want fans to see he's that he was getting mark. an autographed picture. Like he's, he's still, still a mark. Like, yeah, that's, that's, he's still a marky fan. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that, that, that guy's a contemporary, if yeah. not if not a. a a younger, you know, younger contemporary, and you want his autograph picture. Oh, that's awesome. You know, kind of last thing that I have out of all these pages of notes, I have basically double the amount of outline that I was handed through Nick, was um, Bruno's last appearance with Sal. It got to a point, like I said, Bruno only turned down one appearance, Sal requested him for, and Bruno kept giving all these different excuses like i'm not going to do this i can't uh, i wasn't really big in this area i, I, I can't really go and Sal kept on him like why why you why keep turning this down and then finally Sal just gave up and then finally it was months later you know Sal was like wow i would have had you here but you couldn't come and then bruno's like look the reason why i couldn't come to that appearance is because i was in really bad health and i didn't want people to see me in that condition i could barely walk and that's why i had to turn down appearance but then I got to a point that he's like, all right, I'm going to do three more appearances for you. And then I'm never leaving my house again. <laughs> he never learned. <laughs> and and so Sal hung on to that last appearance for dear life. Like he hung on to it forever and he didn't want to use it for a while. But And, and people would always have to go through Sal if they wanted Bruno. And obviously with these conventions, you know, as soon as like Rick Flair gets released, he does the loop. As soon as... Mm. Anybody gets released, right. you take them on. So it's like that that mad dash of getting that first person that's released. Like Ryback's released, we got to get him on the show. <laughs> Whoever, however it goes. Right. But especially like after, you know, Taker was done or so people thought, they're like, oh, when can we get Taker on this circuit? Or when can we get Shawn Michaels to do appearances? Like it's always a mad dash. And it's very hard to get headliners for some of these conventions. Well, there is this, uh, a big event I think it was the it was the promoters, and they were based out of New York, and they'd been they'd been hounding hounding Sal for a while. Like, can we need we need Bruno, we need Bruno, we need Bruno, and then finally, like Sal was like, "All right, I've been hanging on to this appearance. It's been years. I don't think I'm ever going to use it. You know, Michael at High Spots has used multiple of my my last appearances with Bruno. I might as well just go ahead and use it with these guys for the big event." And it's like, all right, I'll do it. And it was a large amount of money, and they turned it down. But then they came back because they didn't have any other headliners. So like, all right, we'll bring Bruno in. And a few weeks before the event happened, he started hearing all these things from the promoter, like, oh, we're going to lose so much money because we're paying so much money to Bruno, and ticket sales are slow. I don't think anybody you know, cares about Bruno anymore. And he's trying to get, talk him like, hey, we, we don't know if we're going to be able to have all the money for this thing. And, and Sal's just like, I'm already regretting this. I'm already regretting this. I'm already regretting this. So it's like, I think it's like an appearance like at LaGuardia Airport in New York. So basically you can fly in and go do, so you can fly from Pittsburgh, go do this and then fly out that night. Yeah, home the home way, home. the way, the way that Bruno likes it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like appearance starts at 11 or maybe, maybe more like 10, like very like mid, mid to late morning. And Bruno comes in and he's just like, just sitting in the lobby, just hanging out at 5 a.m. and talking and then like all right well let's let's get where we need to be and already sounds like i'm sorry this this could be bad you know already prepping brooms like i don't care i'll sign do whatever yeah. all of a sudden like 
Bruno starts, you know, walking past this line of people. And they just assume it's a line of people that are getting into the convention. So they go in and they got him in this little auditorium. And he sits down and somebody, one of Sal's friend comes in and goes, Sal, have you seen this line? And he goes, yeah, that's a long line to get in. And the guy goes, no, that's that's the line to see Bruno. Yeah. And he goes, is that line that's out by the street right now? <laughs> and he goes, yeah. That's to see Bruno. And then Sal goes to the promoter like, what the hell's going on? You told, you told me it was, it was like the ticket sales were bad. He goes, no, as soon as like we got the week of, tickets have like oversold. Like what we anticipated. It's I mean, like it's it's insane how many people. And 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 Bruno was like mad. Like I was sitting in the lobby at 5 a.m. We could have started this thing early to get all these <laughs> I'm people. I'm ready to go home now. He, he was mad at the people <laughs> in the street waiting. Because yeah. they don't have to wait in the cold. We could have started this thing to get those people inside. But just, I mean, this was like probably 2011, 2012. Yeah. I mean, 2013 or something yeah. like that. Like some, like Like this is years I mean, this is a man in his 70s, a man that didn't headline Madison Square Garden for, what, 30 years prior? No. 40, 40 years maybe prior? And still can draw a line around the block. Wrapped around the block. Still just to get a, a picture and an autograph and treated every one of those people with respect and was almost upset that they didn't start the appearance sooner just so they could bring <laughs> people inside to stay warm. <laughs> And that's just the they type were of, cold. They were cold. The exactly. Whole time. I, we could have started it earlier. It's, it's not get cold. Like that's just the type of man. You have extra coats. Bring coats to people. Like that's that's just the man that Bruno San Martino was. Is he saw everybody had value, and you didn't have to be a somebody to get his attention. That's that. Ugh. I love him so damn much. <laughs> I, I can't. I. I am such a Bruno San Martino fan after doing this, and it's just crazy. It's hard to admit that I didn't know that much about him before we covered him, and now I'm like, he's not one of my favorite wrestlers. He's one of my favorite people I have ever heard of, and it makes me feel sad that I didn't appreciate him more in my life, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, will forever on. Hey, uh, that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> if there's anyone out there that this had the same effect on, then we did it. You know, yeah, and, and go, go get the book. The book's out yeah, now. The book. It's re-release. It's all Bruno's words. It's it's re it's updated. You get the proper editor that he needed. It's available now. Go get his. Go, go look up the Zabisco stuff. That feud is beautiful. I cannot recommend enough. The psychology in it. The storytelling. I mean, it's just ah oh, man, it's so damn good. I got wrapped up so much. And uh, you know what? I don't care what you believe or don't believe. Try to be a little more like Bruno San Martino every day, and I think the whole world would be a better place. Just don't squeeze people till they have to submit <laughs> to your will. And you have to get people maybe, in from the back to get <laughs> you to break it. Yeah, yeah, so. maybe don't crush people's spines. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up. If you like what we do and want to help us keep doing it, we have a Patreon. We have some cool stuff. We have tiers from $1 to $75, whatever fits your budget. It anything or you know what for free a nice tweet a review on itunes that goes a long way to help us we're at tim bell pod on all the social medias you can also check out timbellpod.com to find everything i'm nicolessa on all the social medias micah is j trotter 27 on twitter i'm gonna change it soon just so you have to learn <laughs> a new thing 
<laughs> and then uh, over there across from us is Man Scout Manning on all the social medias. Also, check out How Did This Get Booked. Also, check out Zane Riley's Extra Talented Podcast. I love that guy. Oh, we doing this? Also, come to Visar Video if you're in Charlotte. Don't do that. Don't no, do that no, 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 no. Please do. Go see, <laughs> go see Nick Comedy in Atlanta. Yeah, I do comedy sometimes. All right. This is Tim Bell Pot. That was Bruno San Martino. And see you in two weeks. Ha, 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 ha.